Hello and welcome to Dumpster Dive, an exploration of cult cinema. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me is my co-host and brother, me, Jordan. And here on the Dumpster Dive, we both are always on the lookout for good or at least interesting movies of all genres on DVD and Blu-ray. And about every month or so, we select one from one of our collections to watch together and talk about here on the Dumpster Dive. Uh, Now this episode, would it be fair to call this our Halloween special? Oh yeah. Yeah, so we're recording this. Well, we do like pretty much one a month, and this is the October one. So, so you got to do you got to do Halloween special, which means we're talking all horror. This is an all horror yes. episode. Um, we've talked about a lot, a lot have, of we've done horror movies. We definitely have talked about horror movies a lot on the show. Um, but when we conceived of the the podcast, we specifically didn't want to limit ourselves yes. just to horror. Well, the dumpster dive was to find like. Good movies for really cheap. Right. And a lot of the movies in the dumpster are horror movies and culty movies. So that's kind of yeah. where it naturally is. But it doesn't. it's not limited to that. And it's safe to say you and I, I think, do have an affinity for the genre. Oh, yes. So I don't want to call myself a horror guy, but I... It's probably my genre. Yeah. This so my strongest one, if you So have. we love this time of year. We love the Halloween holiday. It's always a great opportunity to watch a lot of scary movies, old favorites, maybe discover some new hidden gems. And I think we've got a pretty interesting horror film to talk to you about in our feature discussion on this episode. Make sure you stay... Uh, tuned to the whole episode because after our feature discussion in our Beyond the Dive segment, we're going to do kind of a lightning round roundup of all of the horror films Jordan and I have been watching uh, over the past few weeks um, during this spooktacular Halloween season. So this is like recent ones we've seen, right? Yes. Okay, I got it right. Yes, yes. (laughs) I want to make sure I got the print. But before we get to that, uh, we're going to uh, talk about our featured a film, which was from your collection. Uh, this is a movie you had seen before, um, but I had never seen, although I am a fan, a big fan of other work by the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, the suspense is killing me, so let's go ahead and play that trailer, and then we'll be back in just a moment to talk to you guys about the movie. Welcome to your murder. This is the party. We've been planning this for weeks. The invitation said murder party. If some jackass is dumb enough to come here, then he deserves to die. Look, I don't think we actually thought someone would be stupid enough to show up. It's a white male. He's perfect. Think beyond splattering blood on canvas. When our masterpiece is complete and the coroner's report is back in, it will read the cause of death. Happy Halloween.
sign on for second degree assault party. Okay, so you have just heard the trailer to Murder Party, uh, directed by a gentleman, uh, Jeremy Saunier, uh, who would go on to direct films like The Green Room, Blue Ruin, and the excellent uh, Hold the Dark, yep. uh, which I watched last year on Halloween. Yep. Those I watched movies, it around last year, yeah, in October. Yeah, those movies are all excellent. I, I really think he is one of the top names to know in contemporary... I, I do consider his... This is kind of a question, too. Like, Murder Party definitely is, but I, I do consider... Is he a horror director? Yeah, I, I always consider his movies to be horror so. films, but they're the definitely... The one I always think of is... The only one that probably wouldn't categorize that is um, Blue Ruin. Yeah, Blue Ruin could be more of a revenge kind yeah, of drama, but they like they they definitely are all horror adjacent. Yeah. Um. So he's definitely the one I would always think of is Green Room, and that I definitely yeah. maybe some people might not, but I definitely classify Green Room as a horror. Yeah. Well, that was his second film, and that was my introduction to him as a filmmaker. Mine too. Um. But he did a movie before that, and that was Murder Party, the movie we, we watched Blue tonight, that. and Blue Room before that. Uh, oh yeah, so Green Room was his <laughs> third movie. Yeah, I'm already we're all, I'm already making mistakes, no, but that's okay. That's, that's right. what you're here for. That's right to correct me, because um, I really, honestly, I don't know much about him. I just yeah. know he makes these good movies. Um, I knew Murder Party was different than his others. Yeah, um, it's very different. Do Do you want to describe uh, what Murder Party is is all about? Uh, yeah, um, it's. Some guy who gets invited to some weird party mm-hmm. set at Halloween, which is kind of why I chose this one. Uh, he goes to a Halloween party thinking it's just a regular party because he gets some strange invitation randomly. And then it ends up being that the people at the party have lured him in and they're really going to try to kill him. And it ends up, you find out later that it's kind of part of some weird art student project where they actually want to. Like almost like a snuff film, they want to like kill somebody and use it as their art to get some big funding later. And then he tries to escape, and they try to chase after him, and he kills some of them, and some others die, and and that's pretty much what happens. Yeah, it's a it's it's that's the premise. Anyway. It's sort of a simple plot. Yeah, there's a couple of twists and turns along the way. Um, the the killers the, these this group of eccentric art students kind of turn on each other yeah um well they're all competing to get the some supposed funding yeah uh, some gr- so some one of the the leader of this kind of cult-like group he seems to have kind of a pull over yeah. this group of of students um supposedly has this grant money yeah that well, that's one of the twists later he's too. going yeah right that he's going to give to spoilers yeah, I guess whoever comes up with the most creative way to kill I, I think it's just guy. whoever he chooses, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. whatever's most... I don't think it has to be the most creative to... Well, I guess maybe it is creative. But, I mean, ultimately he makes the decision. So yeah. he's just going to give his money to one of them, and he gets to pick, I guess. Yeah. Whatever is the most interesting to him, Yeah, I think. Okay. So art students have, are going to kill a guy. Yes. For, for their art. That's yes. the premise. And it's... And he it's, wasn't... He got lured into it. It's like right. a trap. And this is a horror comedy. Yeah, it's the comedy, too. It's yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not played straight, uh, which is no. completely different than Sonia's yeah. other work. Um, like, I don't even remember a, a moment of levity 
in any of his other No, movies. I mean, there might be, like, a little bit. Maybe in the green room there was. But in I the like, green room there is, because okay. of some of the dialogue, that's right, yeah, between them. But, I mean, Even, like, your Desert Island bands. So but but for the most part, it's pretty grim, yes. and Blue Ruin is completely This serious. is really going for it. Yeah, this is zany, wacky horror comedy. The dialogue is like specifically tailored to be jokes. Yeah, basically. completely stylistically different than his other films, which is part of what makes it really interesting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of really all we need to say about the plot. What did you think of it? You've seen it twice now. Mm-hmm. Did you? What was your initial impression? Did that impression change at all upon a second viewing? What's your take on this movie? <laughs> uh, I didn't hate it, but I didn't I also don't feel like it's really a standout movie either. Mm-hmm. The whole reason I saw it is because I knew it was Jeremy Sonia, and I've been going like in reverse order because I yeah. saw Green Room, so then I saw Blue Ruin, and right. then I saw this. So I was curious about it. Yep. And it's an interesting way. It's an interesting movie to see in terms of like a. I don't. It's not technically a student film. I don't think because they're it, out of it, film right. school at that point. It definitely has that flavor, but though, it's, of a of a first feature. It gives of a me kind of the feature. same. Vibes as I get if I watch something like that that I made when I was a kid. Yeah, and I'm like it kind of gives you a little bit of a like cozy feeling. You can see like, oh boy, this is like kind of cringeworthy some yeah. stuff. And, and I believe stuff, it was shot on video. It looks like it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really do my homework, but yeah, it looks like it is because a lot of stuff is blurry. Mm-hmm. It's not the greatest looking. So like the whole the atmosphere of it, I like. Uh-huh. The story is re- almost too simple to a yeah. fault, where it's like. You need something else here. The gore effects are pretty good, I think. Yeah, that's true. They work in it. So that's kind of a big part of it. So I think that part works. Mm-hmm. Um, the actors and the characters are annoying. Yeah. I didn't like that. I wish there was at least one sort of standout character. You know how, like, in the horror movies, there's always a final girl. It doesn't have to be a girl. But the guy in this is just, like, so schlubby and so, like forgettable. Yeah, I guess like, he was fine. He wasn't like abrasive, but he yeah. didn't really have much no, I of think a, they're all just kind of He didn't like really have much of a presence or personality and he didn't really do much during the movie. Yeah. The structure of the movie is a little odd because for you don't really know much about who this protagonist is. I don't think he mm-hmm. really even speaks in the opening no. sequence where cuz I mean they, they kind of get around that. Yeah, by, he lives alone. He has a cat. He's kind of a, like a, you can tell he's kind of like a schlubby loser. Yeah. And for some reason he finds this random invitation to this murder party and he wants to go and he has this dorky looking uh knight he, he costume like made out of together costume and goes to this thing which is is a little odd yeah. but so you get the the idea that this guy's kind of a, a loser schlub nothing he had else nowhere else going to go, on yeah. in his life. But for the bulk of the the running time of the film, he's tied up and bound and gagged. So he's yeah. just kind of there. And then the um, the killers or the would be killers, the art, students. art students, are are really the kind of the main characters mm-hmm. in a way. But then there's also this thing which we didn't even pick up on until the very very end of the movie of him taking this anti anxiety oh, yes. medication. Yes. Um, but that really doesn't isn't developed or uh, you no. don't get the sense that this guy is, is suffering from anxiety or dealing right. with... It, I, the it, only thing that makes me think of it is that if actually going to this party is his way of like trying to well, right, but then I, I, go against I, his yeah, instincts. Oh, maybe. Maybe. 
Do I yeah. think like maybe he didn't want to go to a party? Like okay. he, this is the kind of guy who normally wouldn't be going to a Halloween party, okay. and he's kind of took the one step. He's like, you know, the like al- what's alcoholics the, one day at a time. What's yeah. the least I or, can do? Or like, what's the worst that could happen? Right? Like, yeah. if you're like an introvert, you're so there's like, kind of an interesting so, premise. Yeah. So like, then he goes, and sure, it's horrible. Sure, the one time I go, <laughs> I get murdered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have picked. Maybe that's my. Fault. I didn't pick up on it really but, either. Yeah, and you've seen it twice. Yeah. See, like, that's a clever well, I may, idea. I might have picked up on it and I forgot about yeah. it. <laughs> See, like, that's a clever idea, but I yes. feel like it's not really emphasized. I mean, I thought about that when he throws the anxiety stuff away at the end. At the very end. Yeah, but if you had known that it was being set up during the whole movie, that would have been, yeah. that would have made a little more. Exactly, but that's what I'm, <laughs> say, that's what I'm okay. saying. Like, it should have been set up yeah. a little bit more, obviously, and also touched on and developed a little bit more. You know, but you just mean like in his performance of like what he was. Well, I mean in the story of the movie and his performance or whatever. Like we should have like, if that was his arc, we should have been aware of it. Yeah. You know, rather than having to like retroactively right. assume what was going <laughs> yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Um, so that that's to me a failure of the movie. Yes. But anyway. I don't know. So, so you I think it's know. okay. Yeah, I think it's all right. Okay. <laughs> I really wouldn't go out of my way to say, like, you got to see Murder Party or anything, even if people are crazy into Jeremy Sonia's stuff. Right. I'd just be like, if you're interested in him, this is the one to avoid. But that's not saying it's like, avoid this movie at all at costs. All costs right. like, that's just like, this is not, not the a, representation not nest, of him. Maybe it's for completists it's completist only? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I don't think he would say that either. Like, what filmmaker is going to say, like, well, my first one is the best. Right. But I think that's interesting because this is, like, the, what he completely steered away from. You know, normally yeah. it's like uh, they break through with a hit, and they're like, okay, this is my trajectory. Now I will be doing these kind of movies. He was more like, all right, that didn't work. Now I'm going to try doing all of this, you know? Like, it doesn't seem like the rest of his movies, which is interesting, but it doesn't enhance the movie being interesting at all. At yeah. All. You like? Uh, I gotta say, no. I didn't like this movie. Okay. I, I don't think there's really anything here to recommend it. Yeah. Um, if you know Jeremy Saunier and am int- and are interested in his career, um, I suppose that's that's really the only kind of selling point, you know. And and even then, it's more of a curiosity. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. Um, okay. it, it wasn't. The, I think I tolerated I mean, it more than you. A big problem is it's not funny. Yes. Um, That's a big part of it. Yeah, and, and it just kind of had, it did just kind of seem like a a mediocre, it, it's it's very well made, so I don't want to be too hard on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very well put together, um, very well shot, even though the image quality isn't yeah. ideal. Um so he clearly knows how to make a movie, uh, but or he was off to a good start. Yeah, but it. Um, I kind of for, forgot where I was. You didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, yeah, it. Uh, it just didn't. It, it wasn't interesting. It, yeah. There was just. It was just kind of boring. It just. It, there's, well, yeah, what I was going to say is it, it. It just kind of felt like a. A mediocre student. It felt like, like a, a student, student film. film. You yeah. know, it's like they had this idea. They had all these things they thought were funny, but they just weren't. Mm-hmm. Like there's um, the uh, 
one of the characters, one of the art students. Well, if we're going to point out all the jokes that don't work, this no, is going to be a really long podcast. No, I'm not. I'm not. But this isn't even... No, I, I have an example, too. Well, like, one of the things I didn't like was one of the students um, gets burned horribly. Yes. Um, and he's wearing, he's wearing a werewolf yeah, like mask. Yeah, a rubber mask. And the mask mostly, it kind of, it mostly burns off, but part of it kind of fuses with his face. Yeah. So, like, the werewolf snout is, like, now, like, a part he of it. He got it, like, soaked in beer, and then he tried to light a cigarette yeah. with it. So, so he, it burned onto his face. Right. So he's horribly face. disfigured. So he's sort of, like, become a real monster. Like, the mask kind of became his real face. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and it's it's sort of played for a it really it is played for a gag yeah I think and then so. he's kind of running around to still trying to kill this guy even though he's well been did you notice when he was screaming in pain he was kind of like mimicking sort of a werewolf right. scream almost yeah it's like, okay got it That's and it's not just working. it was just kind of like disturbing but not yeah. in a way that it was like trying to make you uncomfortable just in a way like it was just a misfired joke and it just didn't work and it yes. just like goes on and on and on. And that's just how I felt about a lot of the movie. Just none of it landed for me. You know, I always think about like, with, with horror movies. I remember there was a review for, I think it was that movie Drop Dead Gorgeous. And um, this is, Ebert was talking about mm-hmm. this. On I Ebert think Rupert. I know the scene you're talking about. It but I always, I, I always yep. think about it in terms of, like, why something works and why it doesn't. Right. Where he said there's a scene where the mom, who's always, like, she's an alcoholic, so she has a beer. Always in her hand. Okay, that could be a funny gag that can work in a movie. And then she gets hit by lightning and it gets fused to her hand. Now, on paper, I could see how maybe that right. could be funny. Broad he's, comedy, she's, she's now always holding yes. a beer can. Right. So, like, almost like a cartoon character. Right. She always has her prop with her. But brought into the real world, and you see her, like, in a hospital bed with a beer can fused to her hand. Right. And the it's, charred it's, flesh around it. Yeah, the joke just is gone by that point and it looks just disturbing like it's it doesn't work like that's right. one thing where you can clearly see like the script and the movie are different things and or the yeah. ideas sometimes can misfire and how they don't and yeah. that's how I felt like with a lot with that part in particular yeah and he had a lot of stuff in there that you could see maybe it could work but it didn't like i the thing i was thinking of is when he gets up to the roof and I think this is kind of a funny idea, but in this movie it didn't work. I could see it working in another one, but he's running away and he stops because he's like all panicked and running, and he stops because he has to go to the bathroom, so he starts peeing. Okay, and like that's something you don't necessarily see right. like in a comedy right. where it's like the guy's running away. It's like, oh, but what if he has to go to the bathroom? Like, that's which he kinda, probably would. Which he probably he's would, been like sitting yeah, there. Yeah, it's kind of like a real thing. And then he sees the guy who's coming after. Like he thinks he got away for a moment in the yeah. corner. And he starts peeing, because you th- you didn't really expect that to happen. Like, okay, that's a funny idea. And then he sees the guy who's chasing after it coming, and he's still in the middle of peeing, and he's like, should I stop or keep going? Or right, right, I, right, uh, right. What, what should I do at this point? You can see like a little thing where he panics. Uh-huh. Like, that's kind of a funny idea, yep. too. But the way it was portrayed in the movie did not work for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. And I can't put my finger on why it didn't work. Yeah, some like of it's probably... the way it's prob- presented, maybe, yeah, yeah, The some, way it's acted. Yeah, and some of it's probably... Like, comedy has to be filmed in a certain way. The yeah. action has to be filmed in a certain way. Horror has to be filmed in a certain way. Horror and comedy are actually very similar, but they are different. And Jeremy Sonnier 
like I said at the top of the show, super talented guy. Unquestionably, oh, he's one of the best directors unquestionably working today. one of the yeah. pioneers of modern horror. But, but I also don't feel like this he, is one that I have to make like excuses he for. He can't do like, he can't do comedy. Yeah. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that, and I think Sonya might have learned that with this movie. But I think that's what makes him a good director is he recognizes he's, right. like, he's not one of those guys who thinks, "Oh, I'm the auteur. I can do everything." Right. I think he realized, and I I don't think I'm quoting him from the commentary, but this is what I remembered from like I think it was two years ago that I watched this. That's the first thing that I thought. Because I had seen the other ones, his other films first, which are way more serious, uh, down to earth and quiet, no comedy, unless like maybe a little natural moment of levity in the dialogue or something like that. Nothing like this. But this one, it seemed like he saw this one, even though they had success with it, and he he recognized that the comedy stuff did not play. It no. didn't work, so I'm getting rid of that. You know what does work? The horror and the violence that I have depicted in this film. Yeah. And I think that does work in this film. Yeah. It might not fit into the story because it's like, what story is there to tell? But the scene when he gets the, the chainsaw to the head, I thought it was really good. And it looked cool from like a gore perspective. Yeah. Like it did. I thought that was kind of well, cool. I'm being like totally superficially horror movie fan okay. kind of guy. Like that part looked good. Like, And he can come up with like creative stuff like, I don't know, even just, like, where people are shot and how the blood is depicted. Yeah. Like, here the blood is p- depicted like it's a teapot that's tipping over. Yeah. And it's, like, pouring out of people. Right. Normally it's, like, exploding out of the person. Normally if you, shoot, if you shoot someone in the head, it would be a blood splatter and the person falls down Drop completely dead. dead. But here yes. we have, actually, there is someone who is shot in the head and he continues to speak as this dark... Well, also the girl that gets yep, hit in the head right yeah, away. Yeah, she's that twice. She's like, oh, I smell grass or something right, like that. Like, right, It's so like a really weird thing. And right. you can see, like, those sort of offbeat moments work in yeah. the movie. There aren't enough of them to make like, yeah. this whole movie there's, work. There's but something there. Yeah. But, but I don't know that even without knowing what Sonya would go out and do, yeah, go it's on hard, it's hard to, to tell. that they would have stood out to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, I, was, I couldn't help um, watching this movie, which is so stylistically different than his other stuff, trying to find his tropes that I know him for right. in here. It's like, oh, that's the Jeremy Sonya kind of t- trope, and that's right. something I've seen. And there wasn't much, you know. Um, and I don't know that I would have really noticed anything if I had just watched this movie cold. Yeah, you know? that's what but that, that's what I mean. Like it, that, it didn't stand out. Like if I had seen this first, I wouldn't have been like, "Oh, I gotta see Jeremy Sonia's next movie." Yeah. But like going backwards, seeing Green Room, I'm like, oh, "I gotta see that." So it is interesting in that respect as part of his career, mm-hmm. not as a, like a standalone movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I I'm not actually that far away from you not liking right, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> I just want to say like I didn't hate it. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it's well. Hate is bad. a strong word, but I didn't like it. Okay, that's um, fair enough. <laughs> I didn't. I like, don't disagree. With I also you. didn't like the um, the kind of lazy critique of pretentious oh, yeah. art. Yeah, that didn't work. Students either. and art schools. Yeah, we've seen that done before, and that's such an easy target. I mean, there's a joke you see coming from a thousand miles away towards the end Before of the film, the where yeah, what the so the a lot of the the art students kind of turn on themselves and end up killing each other um while this guy our protagonist i guess escapes um the surviving art student um trying to kill this guy 
ends up slaughtering this whole room of conceptual artists. Yeah, there's they're, another Halloween party yeah, next door. Yeah, and it's, it's very pretentious art types, and they're they're uh, creating a living installation, right? So that's all. You they're know, preparing an exhibit, right? What is scene. what is art, you know? And they have weird costumes, and he goes in there and he just slaughters them all. And the this white room is coated with blood, dead bodies everywhere, and of course, oh yeah. When the the crowd of pretentious artsy fartsy types comes in to see it, they think that the real murder is the art yeah. piece, and they say how brilliant it is. I mean, you can see that joke coming from. Well, ten yeah, miles I mean, there have away. been million. The thing I think of is the viral video where like the the guy's in an art gallery and he takes his glasses off and he sets them in a corner mm. and then he films other like as a joke and he films other people like coming around. Oh, and like, looking at the glasses. And they're like, a lot of people are like taking pictures of it in the corner. Right, that's what I think of, and that was like from years and years and years ago. And it's, it's, it's like, an e- it's such an easy kind of target. Yeah, it's kind of a lazy. I, I don't know. I, I think it can be done well. Um, but I think lazy is the word because you do see it coming like a mile away. Like we know what's going to happen when he meets pretentious art yeah. students who are talking about what's disturbing and what is art and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't go in that room. Yeah, I you can totally tell. Well, and I also think if you're a genre filmmaker and you're you're you know satirizing um, that kind of artistic avant-garde pretension, yeah. But if you're gonna do that, then your genre work better be freaking awesome. Yeah. And this isn't a freaking awesome genre film. It's kind of a crummy student film making fun of other crummy. Yeah, and 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 this movie doesn't have a leg to stand on. Now, if you would be able to know if, if that same theme was Sonny, in Hold the Dark, right? If <laughs> yeah. you if you knew what Sonny would go on to do, it's like okay, yeah, he can critique the pretentious artsy right. fartsy types. Although Hold the Dark gets kind of into a pretentious artsy fartsy area. Okay, yeah. But I digress. Let me talk about the one scene I really liked in this movie. Not the music at the end. Not the music at the end. Although I do have, I think I've probably stated my fondness on this show. I have mm. a. a a fondness for shitty rock like ballads played over the credits of horror films. You used to see this all the time in the eighties. Oh, there's got to be a Spotify playlist or something. Yeah. Oh, they should do like an album. That would be like the perfect oh, Halloween album. Um, but yeah, there's a shitty rock music that plays over. All the right, what's the this scene? one? So, well, can you guess what scene I really liked in this movie? I, I just thought it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was like a good scene in the middle of this movie. <laughs> That's pretty sad that I can't think of a good scene in this well, movie. Well, I like... No, I really like... And, and I like the idea a little bit more than the execution here. I thought, I thought the execution was pretty good. Is when they... The, all the art students sit around... Because they're, they're waiting to, till midnight to kill this guy. So there's actually kind of a lot of just kind of meandering in yeah. this movie. Um, oh, with the truth serum? Yeah, they sit around and they all take truth serum. Yeah. And they confess, you know, they can't lie, supposedly. Um, so they all confess these deep, dark secrets about themselves. One guy says he's bisexual. The other guy talks about this creepy, stalkerish crush he has on the girl. Uh-huh. All this stuff. And I was, I just, I think because the movie That had, all around, or was there a particular moment? No, that, that whole scene. Oh, because okay. I think because so, was so much of what already came before was so ham-fisted and, and boring, yes. and what came be after, I thought, didn't really work. You had this kind of interesting 
little scene, idea, in the middle of the movie. And the characters are actually developed a little bit in that part. They kind of ask questions that they naturally would ask. Yeah, a little and it's a, neat, it's a neat idea, you know what I mean, that these, these kids who are kind of in, into pushing the boundaries of art and perception would take this truth serum. Um, and as just kind of this thought, and one guy's like, "What do you guys say when I'm not around about?" Yeah, and I and I was like, "That's like totally that's not what a I joke, right?" That's like clearly they're like. It's the going only somewhere. time in the movie where I felt like, "Oh, these are real people," yes. and this is like a neat little interesting scene. I almost kind of wish that was like just a short film that Sonia had made about kids. It might have been they didn't make short films before. This yeah, time. like you can imagine that because it it did. It's like the movie was supposed to be kind of zany, blood splattery all over, moves pretty quick. But then there's that middle part of the movie kind of slows down. Wouldn't it be funny if it like it kind of derailed the whole movie at that point? And it's like yeah, you can well, see it where it was going. Like it was going to, but yeah. then it just that was it. It was just that scene, and then it picked back up with ridiculous. Almost like a horror movie that was going to become a horror movie, and then it forgot that it was a horror movie. That's what it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. And but I liked it. I was kind of. Yeah. I was. I felt like that was the one part of the movie I was reacting exactly as Sonya wanted me to to yeah. be reacting. And that's um, the part of his films that work though, because when you say exactly. like what stands out or what you think of when you think of his films, I mean we have to talk about all of them at the same time here, but. I always think, you say you like what you see is like off the grid type of people. Like, yeah. Well, to me, a trope of, you to, to me, a trope of Sonia, his other movies, not this one, is the juxtaposition of just the regular mundane. Well, talk about pretentious art. Yeah, right? <laughs> is, well, he's kind of an already filmmaker. Yeah, he is. Like, totally. um, you know, the, the, the mundane, everyday, workaday reality mm-hmm. juxtaposed with. Um, this kind of underground world yeah, happening, of like happening just uh, out of the perception. Blue of most Ruin people. is the Blue best, Ruin example, is the best of example of that. It's a revenge yes. drama. So you have people but like murdering each two other. Two feet away, people are like you have you know, kids walking. Lunch yeah, and, and kids walking their bikes yeah. down the sidewalk. But then the house they're walking by, He's these in people the are in a life, life or death yeah. struggle, and yep. that's that's in yeah, all that's of his other movie. movies. Um, I forget where I was going with that, but that kind of weird kind of juxtaposition. What you think of when you think of That's what Jeremy I think Sonny of when I think of Jeremy Sonny. Yeah, and what I think of is I think of, like, long, quiet stretches yeah. punctuated by, like, right. real violence. And that is the part that you're talking about, like, the part where, like, the movie stops and then, like, you kind of get to know the yeah. people a little bit. Yeah, it was a little bit of a relief. And you don't, like, there aren't really, not really jokes in it. I think there are a few. Right, but it's not, like... But it's not about Like, jokes. when the guy, like, said, like, he's bisexual. I mean, that wasn't, it's not like it was yeah, a it big wasn't deal. It wasn't, it wasn't followed up, but it also wasn't played as a joke. You well, know what I mean? it was when he's having sex with the other guy Oh, God. On. But see, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's outside yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. you got to isolate just this one scene. Yeah. Because, yeah, then the movie picks up and it goes back yes. to stupidness. I forgot. See, I forgot. I'll, it I, relies on, like, a see, stupid... That wacky joke, I completely forgot. Yes. But this one little scene, like, stood out to me. Yep. Like, but it, that that those types of scenes are what I think of when I think of him. Because I always like in Blue Ruin, I think of the scene where he's trying to pull the arrow out of his leg, right. and then he ends up he just ends up going to like a hospital. Like mm-hmm. he walks in the front door of a hospital right, with right, an arrow in him. Right. Like, that's what I think of. I think of like real world type yeah. violence with, and like. He has music in his movies, like really annoying music in this one, but awful. Very little, like limited music mm-hmm. in like a lot of his movies. Maybe even limited so much that I don't even notice that it's there. So that's what I always think of his movies. I think like 
real quiet stuff with intense violence. So there's the barest... And that's what he does well. There's the barest hints of what we like about him as a director in this film. <laughs> but well, I'd say the violence works, but... Yeah, I guess so. It, it doesn't really fit in the movie because it almost seems totally just random. It's so cartoony, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, I it doesn't... Yeah. I, you know, I guess I can it's admire the like special effects. It's stuck between being splatstick and horror. That's a good way of putting sort of. it. And like it's, it's also... Not, it's not yeah. far enough where it's like laughing at the violence, but it's not real enough where you're like off, like put off by it or unsettled. I think that's that nails it. The, okay. There's just... It doesn't have like a really confident tone. Yeah. Middle you know? of the road and lukewarm is not where you want to be. Like, and that's especially what, with unfortunately horror. this movie is. But fortunately it was successful enough to allow him he to... He got that out of his system. Assen- and, and he, he essentially on. began his professional career. And if we haven't made it clear enough... Um, during the course of this discussion, seek out Jeremy Sonnier's other movies oh, at yeah. least. See no, he is one room, of the best working directors ruin. now. If Excellent. you look at three films that he's made, ignoring this one, and you don't have to completely ignore it, but it's not really part of it. But yeah, Blue Ruin, Green Room, and Hold the Dark, those are all fantastic movies. And the, like that is his track record. Yeah. He's got just that. And back to back, he's been making those. So yeah, he's fantastic. Well, so we... Um, Confidently recommend his other films. So unless you have any other points, you I honestly bring up wouldn't about recommend this because you'd have to like specifically say, yeah. "Are you, do you want to learn about the first film that Jeremy Sonnier ever directed and wrote?" If you do, if you do, read a Wikipedia summary it of it. <laughs> no, if you do, I, like I, I do kind of get like those like cozy feelings about it, like watching it a little bit, seeing. I feel like like movies like I Made and stuff, you know. Okay. I like the homemade aspect of it. It's like. It's fun, kind of. <laughs> so, um, but that's not a recommendation to everybody. In shot of my voice, go see this movie. Okay, you know, it's like, I guess I wouldn't recommend it. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, can I? Can we say you're giving it a mild recommendation to Sonia Completus? To the Completus, yes, sure. If they find it for a reasonable price out in the wild. Well, let's see. I guess I would be a Completist. I think so. I saw it. And I'm I'm glad I saw. I it. feel like you got something out of it. I feel like you find so, some yeah, value. So yeah, I it. recommend it to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> might be the one specific audience for this movie. Yeah. Um, well, I would say skip it. Okay. Um, I don't think we have a real strong I, split yeah, I, here. I, you I and I. Uh, um, I wouldn't battle over. I that. think you got a little bit more out of it than I did, but not too much. Um, but for me, I didn't spend that just, much. On it. There's just nothing. I would never watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been like a Halloween staple where you watched every Halloween movie. Yeah. It was Halloween themed. I think Halloween that's kind of what they were going for. I think it was an excellent choice for our discussion. Um, okay. But just so we could talk about his other movies. Yeah, so if you have a podcast, maybe, and want to have a Jeremy Sonier episode, um, or maybe if you have like a series all about Jeremy Sonier, yeah. eventually. This will be like the murder party one. We got the bad one out of our system. Now you guys go all talk about the good ones. Yeah, so not a great movie. Okay. Um, well, failure. Uh, what do we know about? We know this is his first movie. What, what do we know? Let's move into the, the deep dive here. Or as deep as as you okay. want to go, like what what do you know, if anything, about? I did a little bit of a refresher movie. now. It's just about Sonia in general, because actually, I, I I don't really know anything about him. Most I know is just like hearing interviews with him and his commentaries and stuff. He was like a skater punk kid, and like okay. the, the people in, um, what is it, Green Room? 
that was kind of him. He was kind of one of those guys yeah. traveling in the van. So green room, green room is yeah, green room is about a punk band who yeah. runs afoul of a group of neo Nazis. Yeah. Um, so I get the sense like he played some of those clubs sort of like sure. that, you know. So I well, mean, it's, it's a heightened reality of it. Yeah. But. Very, very. It did seem very authentic. Yeah. So I get, I get the sense that he was kind of like the, like a skater kid, and like the, you know, the Jackass crew, and the Spike Jones, all the guerrilla filmmaking style. Right. Um, but he was, um, I think he, he was definitely an art student. Um, so he studied film. So he has more of like a kind of measured approach to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he likes to film the old back alleys. But it actually, see, this sounds so pretentious. Like he films garbage, really beautiful. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying though. Like he has, he has a punk as he has like some weird, like something you wouldn't naturally think to film. Right. But he has a way of like finding it. Right. Maybe. I don't. know. That's the sense that I get from him. Yeah. Well, I think like, yeah, that makes sense. Like he he admires kind of like the aesthetics yeah. of punk. He wears it on his sleeve, like in terms of his movies. But he doesn't go so far as like rejecting the craft of a classical yeah, he trained it. director. He kind of takes the the um the techniques and stuff of film of like classical filming or I don't even know if you say classical filming but like the stuff that they would train you to yep. technically do and he applies the guerrilla filmmaking aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Where it's almost like you try to make it like a mockumentary. You like try right. to make it look like it's realistic. Filmed, obviously, being set up on a tripod. You know, like, right. purposely set there. But that's always the trick of film. Make right. it look like uh, make it look like it wasn't staged, but it was. Right. Try, try not to act like you're acting, but don't act like you're right. acting. You know, like, stuff like that. So I think that's kind of... That's my general impression of him from hearing about him. And um, I know he works with Macon Blair, okay. the main guy in... Well, he's not the main guy. He's the guy in the wolf... Yeah, Master and he movie. is the main character. He's in the main Blue character Ruin. in Blue Ruin. Yeah, he's he's in uh, Green Room too. He's like um, Patrick Stewart's little lackey. Okay, he's uh, the other shaved head guy. You don't recognize him because he's got a shaved head. He's actually a good actor. He is. He's really good, and yeah. he like um, he co-writes a lot of these movies. He didn't co-write this movie, Murder Party, because this is all Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe he making is kind of the yeah. That's what we were spe- we were speculating. You know, uh, know. Sonia. This is all speculation. Yeah, Sonia directs these, but it is kind of interesting that this is the one that he kind of did on his own, and yeah. then Macon Blair had a, more of an input in the later films, at least credited yeah. input as a writer. I mean, Macon was involved in this movie, but not with yeah. the, the writer. So you wonder. It's like maybe a lot of the things we attribute to Sonia are Blair's. Or maybe just, like, the meshing of the two of them is what right. makes it good, too. That could be, too. Because I think, like, who is, like, they were talking about, like, Simon Pegg and um, Edgar Wright. They go off on their own. Like, Simon Pegg can write a good movie and Edgar Wright can make a good movie. And But the two of them together are just, like, you right. need, like, that, the yin-yang part of it. Yeah. So maybe that's the, I kind of get that sense that it is with the <laughs> That could be. With them, but, yeah, but uh, making Blair on his own has proved himself to be, like, a good and good writer. I think he's doing the Toxic Avenger now. Yeah, right on. So, I don't know. I kind of like their attitude. They're like little punk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Aspect I'm into it. it. I dig it. But yeah, and then this one... So they made a bunch of short films, and this one is the one that they just kind of had to throw together because they didn't get any other funding with any of their other films. Like, they tried a bunch of different short films, and none of that made any money. 
And this one they kind of threw together, like, let's actually find, like, last-ditch effort, make a film, and then they submit it to the Slam Dance Film Festival, and it wins the Audience Award. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think about it, but we were talking about it. It makes total sense. Right. Because it's targeted. I don't think it was calculated that way to be... Like, what's the one festival we could go right. to where we would win? I think it just kind of, like, happenstance worked yeah. out that way. But, like, the slam dance audience would totally go for this movie because yeah. they're picking apart the elite, pretentious yeah. film right. area. So you can see how it, and it wins the audience award. Yes. So, like, you yep. totally see. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what kind of put them on the map. So yeah. So it's, like, almost perfect. Like, a yep. perfect fit. Yeah. So... That's it. That's all. I know. Yeah. So it was. It was. <laughs> and then, but and then the rest of it is just Jeremy and Macon kind of going off on their own. I think Macon uh, contributed to some of his other films, like producing. But they weren't like Blue Ruin and Green Room are the ones where they kind of really. Oh, was Blair Macon Blair involved in um, Hold the Dark? I'm not sure. Okay. I know it's their company that makes it. I don't. Okay. I don't think so. But I wouldn't want to say not. Interesting. Because I. Th- I mean, they're both like producers. I think mm-hmm. they both have that. I forget what their studio's called, like Mad Lab Studios, mm-hmm. something. But they're like they work together. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was involved. But he didn't write it. Yeah, interesting. Think. Or no, wait, actually, I think Macon did write "Hold the Dark." See, this is I where we did. differ from other podcasts because other yes. podcasts would be. First of all, they they know this shit no, no, before I, they went I'm on the air. But most of them would be looking it up on their phone. I'm right now, willing to I, say I this actually because that. it's coming back to me because I believe "Hold the Dark's based on a book. But it was adapted by Macon. So Macon uh, did write. Okay, yeah. The so they're, they're a real team. And if he didn't, all I got to do is edit that part out. All right, sounds good. And I'll edit this part in. He did not write. Them. I know that for a fact. He did Perfect. not write Hold the Dark. So I, it's like a choose-your-own podcast. Yes. Yeah, both options. <laughs> all right, so cool. All right. Well, yeah. All right, so I'm done. That's all I know. No, that's good, though. So that, That's all I think I know. Yeah, so, I mean, if Murder Party did, you know, contribute one good thing to the world is that it... it was successful enough to launch yep. their careers and yeah, that gave them enough to kind of get the next one and then the next, yeah. one. and then you just kind of built on that. And so those yeah, movies are great, there. so that's why I can't hate Murder Party. Like if not for Murder Party, we might not have gotten Blue Ruin and the Green Room. And so you can like it in context, out of context, out of context, pretty much wave it off. It would be like the perfect like extra on like. One of his other Yeah, movies. it doesn't need to be its own thing. It can be like a little bonus. <laughs> yeah, thing. exactly. Yes. You don't have to like digitally restore it or anything like that. Just like throw a copy of it onto like an anniversary edition of yep. the green room and, and put it on in the background. I think that's fair. All right. Well, that's cool. Um, but I am glad we watched it because there's, you know, it's always You're fun. You're completest too. Well, I am, and it's always fun to watch a Halloween-themed movie around yes. Halloween. I mean, all horror movies are kind of Halloween movies, but... And you can't just keep... Well, you can, and I do, keep watching Halloween <laughs> again and again, you know. Um, trick or treat or whatever. So this was an interesting film to talk about. Uh, but I think we've talked about it enough. <laughs> so let's move on to um, our special Halloween spooktacular edition of Beyond the Dive. Um, so this is the the third and final segment of our show. And what we usually do, and basically what we're doing this time, we kind of talk about anything else, not necessarily related to our feature discussion, that we've been watching or looking forward to watching or reading or whatever. Um, yeah, I think initially it was just anything. It was more like yeah. freeform. Just like yeah. And, but because we both have been mainlining horror films. It's October. Um, I thought we'd just kind of do a little roundup of what we've each been watching. Because I haven't really, we haven't 
really seen each other uh, for a few weeks. So, and I know from following you on Facebook, this is about the the end of the second week of October. So, what have you watched? About 500, 600 films by now. You're like going insane. No, I've actually over here. I've actually watched more in previous years, but tonight. Uh, what is like? October, what is your tally as of now? It's, it's October 18th, and that was the 30th. So that's you watched 30 that's movies in 18 Murder, days. Murder Party is the 30th. All yes. horror. Yes, 30 horror. That's insane. But that's not like a year. I don't want to be like the movie guy, but that's just like you know. It's that's like, pretty it's something intense. To do. I feel it's like a like a school course that you. It's go like a crash. It's a like crash cram school. school. But it, for me, it's also a way to kind of just check off a list and force myself to check off a mm-hmm. list because I always have just like this giant list of stuff that people are recommending to me and stuff that I've wanted to see throughout the year. This is just kind of like only strictly horror. It's like check it all off. Not necessarily one a day, although it's usually more than one a day or yeah. whatever. But You aren't afraid you're going to burn out before the 31st? No, because <laughs> I, I find there's like a little, there's a phase you go through. Okay. Where you get like really excited about it, yeah, <laughs> and you like, of course, obviously, start just tearing through them because you've got this whole list lined up, and you're like, oh yes, that that that, and I'll do that the second day, and third day, fourth, and then you get to th- the fifth day, and you've run out. And you're like, oh, sh-. now then it becomes like an ordeal. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> All right, now I got, I, I got to find something before I like, can. Right. And I work really early in the morning, so I don't want to stay up that super late. So I've got right. like a little window between getting home from work and all that stuff. So you got to like, but some of those are like the fun ones that you find. Random. Yeah. Well, I've discovered some real gems because I, I in previous years have been pretty, at least a couple. Well, how, what are you at for October? I know you're not really counting Ooh. really. But. Yeah. Well, let me, I can count them up right now. One, two. Oh, you actually listed all of them? See, I, I didn't think, think so. I listed out. Well, obviously. I have 13. A murder Unlucky murder party would be 14. Okay. That's probably about right, because I've basically been watching... Well, it's the 18th. Yeah, I've basically been watching one a day, but I haven't been hardcore about it. You know what I mean? If I, I take a night off, if I miss a day. I've actually been more hardcore, which is the scary thing. You're intensely hardcore about <laughs> it, yeah. But a couple of years in the years past, I've I've tried to watch 31 movies. But I also don't want to make it to be like, watch just whatever random horror thing you can think of. This is like, I want to... These are ones that I want to like. All right. I'm seeking. Well, out. let's get into this okay. and talk about what we've been watching here. Now that All right, I'll let you talk. Philosophy. Well, I actually kind of want us both to talk because I thought well, a good one to kick off our discussion was because a lot of the ones I've watched, I don't really, you know, there's nothing particular to say about them. They're not all great, but I did watch one that I really liked. One that I saw for the first time um, that you watched oh, too. Yes. Um, for the first time, and we both just happened to, to watch this one, and I think I assume it had been on your radar, like it had been mm-hmm. on mine, and that is John Carpenter's Body Bags. Don't you have the Blu-ray? Of it? I do. Yeah, that's where you watched it. Yep, I watched. I uh, saw it on Shutter. I, cool. I watched um, the Blu-ray, um, and this is an anthology, a made-for-TV, very much in your wheelhouse uh, anthology, produced by John Carpenter. Two of it's a there's three segments. Yep. Uh, so it's like an EC. Comics, Tales from the Crypt style, very much um, anthology. I think like Creep Show. Yep. Um, two two of the segments are directed by Carpenter, and then the third is directed by Toby Hooper, yep. the late great. Um, so what you liked it, didn't you? Body bags. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> okay. What is your take on body bags? Well, first, 
like the very first half of it is the strongest, and uh-huh. then as it kind of goes. Well, I think the host segments are the strongest. Well, yes, I mean, th- that's what I mean about that being the strongest is like the setup. Watching it, I'm like, how the fuck did they not pick this up as a series? Like, it's so oh, it'd be so. They should do it great, now. Well, it was such a great. I didn't even realize what it was before. I've always heard it. Before. Right, I didn't really know either. And I knew it was like an anthology thing, but I didn't know the premise of it. But I guess isn't the premise that he's like this wacky? He's like a horror host, which is like John Carpenter. John Carpenter plays Acts in it. Plays the plays the host, yeah. oh, the, he's the host of these films, <laughs> and he's this. Well, at first, there's a twist at the end. At first, yes. you think he's this creepy coroner, and he has. Um, he likes to find bodies in his morgue that died under weird, violent, unusual yes. circumstances. Not natural causes. And That's he boring. finds three of those bodies, which give rise to our three segments. Yeah. So, so you can see how that's like a great setup for like a little anthology series where yes. it's like, oh, look at this body. And it's like some weird mangled corpse or whatever. And like, then you go back and tell the story about what happened to this person. And it would be like some weird supernatural story because they didn't die of natural causes, obviously. So I thought that was just like a brilliant setup. For it is, it. yeah. Because then they zoom in on like the the what are they the body the body bags the body bags yeah because yeah, those are what they put the bodies in that they don't want people to see. Um, so that is great. The, like the the setup and the wraparound segments are great with him and the cheesy jokes and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the first one is my favorite, the gas station. Mine one. too. Like it's just so perfectly John Carpenter, well executed short story stuff. Yeah, it really is a distilled Carpenter movie. It's oh, it's a, great! It's a short slasher. It's perfect. Perfectly done. Yeah, I, I could go. I could. We could. I could do a whole review on this one. Yeah. I'm actually holding back, but it is so. That's so why. That's why I say like it starts done. out like the host segments do help you along, but the story with what's it, Stacy Keach, mm-hmm. the hair one, uh, not. Kind of a, a horror crazy comedy. About that. A horror comedy. The Mark Hamill one is better. Can I say, and I I mean this completely seriously. He's great. Exceptional performance by Mark Hamill. Oh yeah, he's great. Truly exceptional. Yeah, yeah that one's better. And that <laughs> that goes into like a more disturbing kind of horror. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have familial abuse and all yeah. this weird stuff going on. Yeah, it made me think of like um, a review I heard for um, Baby Driver, where they talk about. How that opening scene is just like so memorable. Yeah, it almost unfortunately kind of damns the rest of the movie. Okay, like it kind of like it's not like the rest of the movie's bad. Like I like Baby Driver and I like the rest of um, Body Bags, but it like it, imagine if it would have ended with that the segment in the gas station. Like mm-hmm. I think it would have come more of a, like a surprise and left you with like maybe almost like a trick. Like it left you thinking like the whole movie was better than that. Yeah, for me it was like when I saw that I'm like, oh the whole movie's going to be like this, like all these segments. And then you realize, you know, that's what anthologies are usually. They're like some good ones, there's some bad ones, and you kind of, you're going to get, it's like a mixed bag, and I <laughs> don't even like puns, but yeah. Fair so. enough. Um, <laughs> all around, it is a fun movie, though. Yeah. I uh, liked it. Fa- fair enough. I think I liked all the segments more than you did, though. I, I thought they were all good. Um, I agree with you that the first one was the best. But yeah, definitely... Um, this is one like I'm a Carpenter fan. I hadn't seen this. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically a John Carpenter movie. He directs two thirds yeah. of it. Well, he I mean, it's called it. John Carpenter's Body, Bank, right? So, so his project. Yeah, but you know, I don't. It's a little under the radar. So mm-hmm. you know, seek this one out. And and I think it'd be a perfect Halloween movie. 
to yeah. watch on Halloween. Yeah. All right, we spent too much time talking about body bags. Uh, See, what, this is what I thought you were going to Yeah, what's another one that you um, <laughs> I pick. particularly liked uh, uh, or, okay, that, so or that even didn't like? It was just something interesting you wanted to well, now Why I'm going to, like, break my own rule and probably talk about the best one first. And okay. And then, like, leave it. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just taper off. <laughs> but there's ones that I want to make sure that I talk about. Okay. And, and, and this, is, this segment can go on a little longer. This is our Halloween special, Jordan. So out of all the 30 ones that I've seen, and i got to say, it hasn't been that really No, most, most so of what far. I've seen has been, that's fine. Hasn't been, like, blown away type of stuff. Yeah. But uh, the best one that I've seen is um, In the Tall Grass, the... Mm. Netflix movie based on the Stephen King story. Okay. Um, so, a little... The background is, like... Um, so, this was written by him and Joe Hill, his son. It's like a short story, but it's expanded into a movie, and it's the guy who made Splice, who wrote and directed it. I which love is another Splice. Which un- very underrated horror movie. Okay, now that you said that, I am going... I don't own Splice. Uh, this is a tangent. I'm going to be on the lookout for Splice so that we can discuss it on this show, because Splice is so good. Yeah. So Anyway, I, go on. But I didn't know anything about In the Tall Grass. I'd never even heard of it. I think that's a... It was a brilliant title. And uh-huh. I thought it was just premiering on one of those days when I had nothing. Perfect. So I was like, okay, what is it? And I don't want to know hardly anything about movies before yep. going into it. Same. I mean, that's impossible to mm-hmm. just, unless it's just like you run headfirst into it. But this one, I just like, okay, just give me like a general idea of what it is that, I'm, that it is. Because I wanted to make sure it's a horror movie, basically. <laughs> I mean, I know it's Stephen King. So I read the little description on Wikipedia. And I kind of got like a little chill, like reading just the description mm-hmm. of what it was. I don't know. It was um, so I can't remember word for word, but it would be like it's like two a brother and sister are driving down a lonely road in like Kansas, in the middle of a field, and they stop because they hear a kid calling for help in a field, like really tall grass. And they go in to. I'm not making this sound creepy at all, but they go in to see what the problem is because the kid's like calling for them and they quickly realize that there is no way out of this place mm. and that kind of made me like Whoa, yeah it sounds like a, it sounds like an urban legend it totally sounds like story. a stephen king yeah like a perfect stephen king type story too and like that kind of made me like oh wow that's a good yep because i always think like aren't they gonna run out of ideas for movies at some right point? <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear something like that you're like oh that's good uh-huh and it's it's really well done. Like oh, it's really cool. creepy. Like pretty much all unknowns except for um uh I don't remember his name now. Patrick Wilson. Okay. He's one of the dads and it's kind of I mean I don't want to spoil anything in it cuz it's good but it's turns out to be sort of like a time loop alternate mm, reality thing okay. where they keep running into like they'll run into like their own dead body or they'll find mm. somebody dead so characters you think are dead are actually still alive. Okay. And it's all about, like, it has big themes in it, too, about, like, the theme is, like, leaving family members behind because one of the main girls is pregnant, and they're leaving her old boyfriend behind. But then you find out, like, in the time that they're actually going towards. Uh-huh. Okay, so I don't want to spoil it, but it's really good. It's really, like, loopy, and then, like, time loopy. Way. Cool. So, yeah, it's good. In the yeah, progress, and, I, and that, I think that's the best one that I've seen. And like. I think I saw you say on Facebook it was similar situation to... Um, when oh yeah, it, I was going to talk about that, but I don't want to go on forever. <laughs> this, well, this is the, this is the new Stephen King movie to see this year. Is that cause, can yes. we say that without mentioning any other big budget? 
Stephen King adaptations, which may or may well, not be want to talk playing about in theaters it, okay, right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not talk about that movie, okay. but let's um, talk about. Can I, I'll, I'm going to segue because I have okay. a Stephen King movie to talk about. Okay. Have you seen? I feel like you've probably seen this because you're always ahead of me. Um, the Dark Half, directed by George Romero. No. I hadn't either. I'm not even that familiar with it. Yeah, I, it's very under the radar, and it shouldn't be. From when? Um, 1992, 93, something like that. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually going to say I'm very unfamiliar so with it. So this is, I think, a Stephen King novel, possibly a Stephen King short story, okay. adapted by George Romero. Uh, written and directed by Romero? Written and directed. He wrote the screenplay okay. based on, the, I think, a novel. Um it's also got a great premise, I think. Um, okay. Now, th- this is very Stephen King. Um, so it's about uh, the main character is a writer, <laughs> which sure. King, King has done many times. Named Stephen Queen. No, but oh. he... he um, what's the town that they all live in in Stephen King? Um, Derry? No, 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 no. Um, oh, that's from It. Oh, never mind. But he's... he's uh, <laughs> so the main character is... is in is, Maine. No, the main character is a writer, and he um, has a pseudonym. Okay. So he, and during the early part of his career, he wrote. He's kind of a literary writer. You know, he's a college, He teaches at a college, and he writes okay. kind of literary fiction. In the earlier part of his career, though, he became successful writing pulpier genre novels under a pseudonym. Um, and the last name Richard Bachman. Exactly, <laughs> yes. right? And yes. the last name of of that, the his pseudonym is, is Stark or something like that. I well, think. so far that is the exact same setup of misery, but okay. Yeah, so, but this is another another story about a writer from Stephen King, and like... Do you remember Misery, though? Misery oh, is yeah, that same thing. I do. He became yeah. famous for yep. writing those misery yep. pulpy novels. So this is that. And, okay. Um, but then what happens is somebody shows up and threatens to expose... Um, that he was actually this other writer. Okay. Someone's trying to blackmail him. Which, like, I feel like in the real world, most writers would be like, well, who gives it? It's not really right. that, that important. But, you know, Stephen King, a writer, most important thing. So Where is the Stephen King element? It's though? like a big deal. It's coming. Okay. Um, I feel like you're being very critical of my No, I'm actually waiting movie. to hear it. Um, I want to know. Well, uh, so he, this guy threatens to expose him, blackmail him. So he decides to come out and be like, this was my pseudonym, this uh-huh. other writer. And they do he, this. He gets out ahead of it. Yeah, they do this big publicity campaign where he's going to kill off Stark, his alter ego okay. who wrote these pulpy novels. It's exactly like Misery. So um, they do that, and then this series of murders start to happen. And mm-hmm. all the clues, including like fingerprints and DNA evidence, point to this author. But as the movie goes on, it becomes clear that it's not necessarily the author, it's this other version of the author, this Stark that he created, who has kind of his own persona and own personality, um, and may be a separate being, or may be um, like an alternate personality for this guy. It may be two separate physical beings, it may be just he's going crazy, and as the movie goes on, there's all kinds of weird stuff about, like, this conjoined twin, and... Um, I mean, he thinks he is one, or it's just like a theme? It, you find out, like, when he was younger, he used to get, like, these headaches. 
um, okay, that he thought okay. might be a tumor, but right, it was right. actually right. Got it. this unformed. All there's Got all it. this weird stuff, and there's like supernatural aspects mm-hmm. to it too. I don't want to say too much because like, but but I just thought that was a cool idea that this 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 pseudonym, this alter ego. Kind of represented his dark half and made so it'd be like, like alive if Richard person. Bachman, or if there were murders that started to point to Richard Bachman. Exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah, I don't think I explained it very well, okay. but that that is essentially the premise of the dark half, and it's good. It's a good movie, and I think it kind of flew under the radar. I don't Does it have it was, a satisfying ending. Yeah, very. Make fun of. <laughs> I yes, I think so. Yeah, it, so I would definitely recommend checking out the Dark Half okay. from George Romero. It's like an I it's like a, it. a lesser known Stephen King adaptation. It's like not a very well known George Romero movie, but I think it's good. It deserves to be seen. So that was a little undiscovered gem that I saw. What else you got? <laughs> um, oh, there's so many that I saw. That I, what would I want to talk about? Uh, well, well, you already talked about this. I was going to say Midsummer because I saw that. Oh, yeah. Tell and me about Midsummer. Like, I liked it a lot. What did you think? I almost kind of feel like I want to say it's better than Hereditary, mm-hmm. I think. It definitely unsettled me a lot. Um, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was just kind of like um, the atmosphere of it was okay. It's not like so pretentious, but like the, it put you there. Oh yeah, it puts you in that location with like no way out, and when it comes to the scene, because I was just waiting. I remember you told me like well, you kind of see the, you know what's going to happen, so you're right. kind of you're on guard for like whatever. There, there's the not the sense happen. in Hereditary of like where is this going? Yeah. You know, you know where this is going. Right. You, you know, see in, that they in get in lured into this cult, and you're right. like, okay, obviously this is not like a good cult. Something bad is obviously going to happen to all of them, and it does. But I think, like, even put making the beginning scene where her sister, the sister of the main character, kills herself and her parents, just in that weird way, where she's got, like, the yeah. pipes going. And I was like... I just got chills thinking I, about it. But when I saw that movie, I'm like, what? Is this, like, some sort of weird sci-fi movie? But it was just... It wasn't even part of the story. It was the backstory to give motivation to the main yes, character, yeah. But, like, it, the way that she killed them... Was had nothing to do with the story. Right. It was just like some weird, bizarre way that she decided to do it, and that immediately like throws you kind of yes for a little bit of a loop. So that part I really like because I was kind of looking for what is the other weird supernatural. I will to say it? I think just to interrupt briefly and then I'll let you go on. The best part of Midsummer, the best part of the movie, happens before the title. That opening little sequence, like with every, just that, th- yeah. Okay. What you talk well, about I don't the girl when killing, the title kicked. It, it, it's right after the girl goes to her boyfriend who wants to break up with her, right. And right. reveals this horrible family tragedy, and they embrace. She's crying on the couch. It, the camera pans out into it's either raining or I think it's snowing. Dark snow. We're yeah. in a closed space. And, of course, the movie's going to be the opposite of that. And then you get the title, Midsummer. Everything that happens before that I thought was the best part of the movie. But yeah. the rest of it's pretty good, too. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just, like, the way it can kind of, like, I always, like, I think, like, um, when I say like too much. But I always think they're going to run out of ways to fool you, like these horror right. movies. And I just love, like, constantly being, like, right. 
thrown off guard. Like, oh, there's only one way that this movie can end, or one of two ways. Right. And then it doesn't do either of those two, and it goes a completely different direction. I love that about this movie, too. It's like, I saw where it was going, like you say. Like, you can see, you know what's going to happen, but I was totally unsettled the whole time. When they watch, and she's like, her whole family's dead. (laughs) She's, like, getting away from this murder stuff, and she wants to go on vacation just to clear her head, get away from it all. And they go to this cult, and when they watch the guy jump off the tower... Or not a tower, but a big rock. Yeah. And the way it's shown, like, from a distance and bounces off. Yeah. It almost looks almost comical. Right. There's a lot in this and movie, like, them, like, is that supposed to be funny? Right or? before he jumps, she's, like, standing next to her boyfriend. Like, technically right. her boyfriend. <laughs> and right before he jumps, she, like, gasps and, like, grabs his arm. And I have felt that. Like, when that happened, I was like, whoa. Like, yeah. You can kind of, like, you can tell a guy standing on top of a big rock about to jump and you know what's going to happen. But, like, feeling it through that character, I was like, whoa, that was, like, a really weird reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, the gasp and, like, the grab. I'm like, okay. And you can tell all the characters are like, now what? And then, of course, she's, like, even more traumatized. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, we should not have come. Right. And, like, that's kind of, like, a scary moment in the movie, though. Yeah, that's well, well but described. But I, I can't say, like, the rest of it is, like, I couldn't describe the plot of the movie to make you run out right. to see it, but. Well, it's not a. But I think that's what Ari, not the Ari point. Aster yeah. does really well. Is he like he had something that he wanted to show, mm-hmm. like a vision that he had. I love it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. It affected me more than Hereditary did. I'll say that. Cool. Um. I, again, I I really liked that movie. I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the show yeah, before. Yeah, you did. But um, I hadn't seen it at that did, point. I preferred Hereditary, but I'm not going to talk you out of. Loving Midsummer. It's I think it's a great film. He is definitely a great director. Yeah, I think if those are your first two movies that you do, you are. Oh, he is. You're on your way. He's he's contemporary horror royalty. I mean, as unless far his as next one is a murder part. Right. <laughs> um, right well, that's, that's one thing I haven't really done yet this year is is get caught up on like new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have. I'm trying to kind of play off of what you're talking about, but I don't really have like a new. I haven't no, seen go whatever. Yeah, I haven't seen anything new. I don't think I have anything related um, to that either. Okay, well, I, I'll jump back to Romero one more time. <laughs> okay. um, well, because, there's a connection because I also saw um, another movie he did around the same time he did The Dark Half, which was Monkey Shines. Oh yeah, uh, that's one of my favorites actually. Okay, I, good because I love, but, or, uh, excellent because I, I don't have a ton to say about it. I didn't love it. But I remembered that you liked it a lot, so yes. I wanted to get your take. So okay, what do you well, think? It's been a while since I've seen it. But, but what, what, did you, like, what do you remember liking? So I love those say? little, I mean, I know it's not a Stephen King story, but I love those little stories. It feels like a Stephen King story. I love those, like, set in a room. Like, you only have, like, you can only do certain things. Like a little box that you put. Well, the and not in. only are we just in a room, we're in the room, and our main character is paralyzed. Yeah. Like he can't move. All right. Well, that's what I mean. I right. mean, like you, you're locked into this character who, like, he's paralyzed at the very beginning, right? He's yeah. Like, he's running. And he's yeah. Hit by a he's car hit by a car or truck or something. So yeah. So the premise of the movie is that this guy is paralyzed. He had been like some kind of an athlete, um, and his. A friend works in a laboratory where he's experimenting on monkeys, um, and he gives one of these 
monkeys, which supposedly has some kind of enhanced intelligence, yeah. to his friend as a helper monkey. But then the helper monkey starts... They have some like weird... Isn't it like psychic connection? Yeah, they develop they... this weird psychic connection. I mean, that was one of my problems with the movie. I wasn't quite clear exactly little... <laughs> what the monkey was trying to do or... Um, I think I liked it because <laughs> you could describe this movie and you'd be like, that is not. It really. sounds ridiculous. Yeah, you could be like, that is not a movie. Right. <laughs> I could totally picture that conversation of me explaining it to someone and someone responding that way. Like, there's no way, like, that movie did not get made. Um, but I like the way, <laughs> the scene I remember is, like, the, have the monkey at the end, he had the little needle, and his mm. girlfriend is paralyzed. Oh, yeah, like, he's kind of poking at her. And he's kind of, like, poking at her with the thing. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure it was a fake needle and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah. almost like what we were talking about with Drop Dead Gorgeous, where, but this is the way where it works because it's horror. Right. This is, like, like it they, sounds silly on paper. Yeah, and maybe they, the even, maybe they even intended it to not be as disturbing as it yeah, was. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. then when you actually do it with the monkey... And you want him to do something that maybe could be considered dangerous. <laughs> right. You start to feel a little bit like that monkey's got a fucking hypodermic needle. <laughs> <laughs> so I look, and, but I think it works like in the short story Stephen Kingy mm-hmm. type of way, where they're very limited with what they can do, but they totally like go all out with it. They use every aspect of what they have. So. That's okay. What I like. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't dislike. There it. are totally really rid- ridiculous and silly elements right. to it. Like when, like, so the monkey's like his subconscious almost. Yeah, like, something like that. It's almost well, it's almost <laughs> like it's almost like a werewolf thing where he goes to sleep. Like he hate I forget exactly, but he like he hates his boss or whatever it is. Right. He hates some guy, and he's like, "Oh man, I'd love to give that guy a, right." And then the, the monkey goes that guy. and kills. He goes to sleep, and then the monkey goes out yeah. and kills the guy. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the premise. Yeah. So. Depicting some of that stuff is really a little <laughs> wacky and uh-huh. stuff, so yeah, yeah. It's not. It's it's like a realistic kind of wacky. Yeah. Silly well, I was glad I I watched it. I it wasn't the the undiscovered. I think it's fun. Yeah, it wasn't the undiscovered gem that um, the dark half was. I did have some issues with it. That yeah, this I, is supposed to be yours. Tom. Yeah. No. 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 I had some issues with it that I would go into if we were doing like a full review of it, but I liked it okay. Um, why do you want to talk about it? I, I really wanted your take on it. Oh, I thought um, I told you already though. But not on air. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like Monkey Shines. One of the reasons I watched Monkey Shines was it was kind of like a cathartic thing for me because I never saw it as a kid, but I would always Go see the, the VHS uh, box art at the store, and I was always too scared to rent it, even though I watched all kinds of yeah. horror movies. And it's just one of those little toy uh, monkeys yeah, that clang cymbals together. Yeah. That's all it is. But I was just like, and I never heard that phrase "monkey shines" before, and right. it just looks so creepy. I didn't know what it means. Yeah, it, just, it was just so creepy and mysterious. Yeah. So like, and of course that's not in the movie. No. <laughs> so like, having watched this movie, I feel like I I overcame yes. a childhood fear. So I just wanted to mention monkey okay. shines. Yeah, monkey shines is worth seeing. Okay. Um. Yeah, I would say it is worth seeing. It's it's an odd little kind of detour in Romero's career. He didn't um, write that. I don't remember. Okay, let's not go. Yeah, I kind of feel like he might have. Um, okay, well, maybe I'll mention one more just briefly. I don't have a lot to say about, um, and then I'll let you kind of wrap it up with one or two. Um, and I, uh, So, like, one thing that's fun to do, uh, you know, watch old favorites, catch up on contemporary stuff, but see some real classics. 
yeah. that you haven't before. Um, okay. And and I don't know if you have, have a few. ever seen the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes. I watched black it last. And white. Uh, yeah. Yes. I watched it last night for the first time. I saw that when I rewatched last year. Um, uh, Philip Kaufman's remake. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't, I don't even know if I've ever seen any of the remakes. It's it's kind of a good one too. Yeah, it's one of those movies like you feel like you've already seen it. Right. But but then like you watch it and you're especially with these older movies you're like shocked by how like effective it is. Mm-hmm. Like when the the pods open and you you see that practical special effects of bodies kind of like yeah, slump out. Falling <laughs> out of the yeah. and you can't think they kind of don't even look like bodies yet, but you can kind of see them forming. Yeah. It's like, this is kind of shockingly disturbing for a film of that time. And of course, you know, the... the and it was about something. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, of course, everyone talks about the McCarthy, you know, is, um, you know, kind of metaphor and all that. And that's all there. Um, and the way that the movie is introduced, you know, the way that they introduce the premise is really cool. Like, it starts out, like, not like the protagonist notices people acting different, but that he notices other people saying, my uncle is not my uncle. My mother is not my mother. It's like, oh, well, you mean, do, do they not... Can they not answer questions? Do they not have the memories? Like, well, nope. Literally, they not. know there's... everything. They have all the same memories. There, there's no, they act. They even say, I think they act the same, but it's not them. Yes. And and at first they think. Well, that's a good horror premise. It's like something's wrong, but I. Don't but you know can't what it say. Is. I loved yeah. that about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually wish it had had a. I actually watched it because it had a short runtime and I could fit it in last night. Yeah. Um. I actually think it really would have, and I suspect the remakes do, it would have benefited from a longer runtime because I like that um, initial part of just what exactly uh, okay. is going on here. But the whole movie, it's it's kind of funny. It, it kinda, it's kind of like saying, like, hey, that Shakespeare guy is a good writer. But Invasion of the Body Snatchers yeah. is an excellent sci-fi horror movie, and I'm glad I watched it. Uh, the this... Beatles are a pretty good band. Exactly. <laughs> All right, smartass. What? <laughs> well, do you want to wrap it up with maybe one or two for our, our supersized Halloween spooktacular here? No. You, you must have at least <laughs> one more you want to mention. Uh, what else should I mention? Okay, well, the only the other good one is... It is a horror movie, but it's not traditionally a okay. horror. It's Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yeah, which I've, I haven't seen this, but I want to. Which, um, it's a western about cannibal Indians. Uh-huh. And Kurt Russell is the sheriff of the small town. Sounds great. But it was completely not what I was expecting in a really good way. Okay. Where it's like, this is... All I've ever heard is it's like really violent. It is violent, but not until, like, the last maybe 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's violent in the sense that, it, like, a, the Old West is violent, but it doesn't really – it doesn't become a horror movie until – and this is, the ter- this is the line that I loved in it when he goes – they're tracking this Indian well, – okay, I better set it up. So um, this group of people <laughs> – um, this woman gets kidnapped by – Oh, actually, and Sid Haig's in it, too. So. Oh, the late great Sid Haig. Um, He's in the beginning. So there's, like, this tribe of Indians that keeps attacking um, the townsfolk. Um, and then they kidnap one of the guy's wives. Okay. Um, that the sheriff had her. He had her doing a task. So so he feels like it's his responsibility. 
and but they don't recognize who the tribe is. And they're like, who were they? Because there's a an arrow that's left in the wall, but the arrow's made out of like a human bone. Mm. So like, who are these people? And they find some other, and like another regular Indian. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be totally insensitive. I was gonna say this <laughs> movie doesn't sound very woke, Jordan. No, which is it's part not, of what we. I it's not, but it's realistic. It. Yeah. Which is weird. So then they track them down, and they, I mean, they call them like they say they're like troglodytes. Wow. They say, like, yep, they are their own little group. And the weird thing is, like, it's I think it's a group of like twelve of them. So, so it's, it's kind of like, like an a, inbred kind of Native American version of like. Well, I th- I thought of it as like, True Grit meets The Hills Have Eyes. That's what I was thinking. Because when they go, or in, like Texas Chainsaw Man, when they go to find this guy's wife, it's like a group of them, a group of I think four. Kurt Russell is leading this group of guys, and um, oh, the other guy who's really uh, I can't remember his name. Okay, I'm not gonna bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, so they go to track them down because they don't really know what they're getting into. But once they finally get to this tribe, they realize like these are like this is a strange race, yeah, <laughs> a strange group. I mean, it's not even like a these race. are not just like Native a, Americans. Yeah. this is something else. They they don't speak, but they wow. they speak in like these weird animal calls, and you're like like weird things that like human beings can't make that noise. So it sounds like. All right, this is kind of like a heightened reality thing. And then you find out that they had, like, you know, like, bones, like, implanted uh-huh. into their necks so they can make these weird, like, whistling noises. Uh-huh. So it's a completely invented... It's almost, like, realistic... Yeah, it's totally invented oh my reality. Gosh. Okay, almost. wow. And then there's a scene where they... Once they get captured by the group that they go to... So they, that group, led by Kurt Russell, gets captured when they go to try to find the, his wife, who they eventually do. Um, and then they start torturing them one by one, and a little bit like it kind of is like cannibal holocaust Yeesh. stuff too. They like strip him naked, and they hold the guy upside down, and they split him down the middle, and they like uh-huh. show like you know like I always like I feel like they will run out of ideas of how to kill people. Right. They, they, <laughs> they keep coming up with stuff. <laughs> they clearly have more in mind, <laughs> and like there's weird wow. there. But the weird the thing that I didn't even expect was like. The dialogue is so, like, weird and of that period. Okay. And so, like, funny. Huh. But not, like, not jokes. Just kind of, like, natural human. Uh-huh. Like, it works so well as just a regular Western. Uh-huh. Up until the point where it flips and becomes uh, a horror movie. Damn. And the part that I like is he, the one guy who has a broken leg, who, again, is Patrick Wilson. Who is also okay. Nice. He has a broken leg and it's his wife, but he has to like he follows them later because he's slower, but he still wants to go. Okay. He's like, you guys go on ahead without me, but I'm still coming with. You guys all when you guys sleep, then I'll catch up to you. Right. Because he's like he wants to find his wife, but his leg is right has been broken. And it's healing. And he they get captured, and this is how I don't want to spoil things, but they get captured and he's coming up behind him, so that's like the ticking clock in the story. Right. And like, like fuck, we're like captured by this group of cannibals, and now this guy is coming in with the broken leg. Right. He's not going to stand a chance. Right. And then they start to count. Up. They're like, okay, how many people are? How many of these guys are there? Okay, I think there's two pregnant ones. There's like three males, and then like two younger ones, and like five other ones that I've never. Okay, there's about twelve of them. 
he might stand a chance if we can get rid of like two of them. So they try to like poison two of them. Wow. And it's like in a real way where you sure. almost believe it happens. Yeah. And then he gets to the point where they're captured because they go in like this impasse or this little like narrow alley almost. I mean, it's not an alley, but it's like a narrow pass where you can only go one way. And Patrick Wilson's character gets there because he's like pulling himself along the ground finally because he like collapsed because his leg's barely working now. Jesus. And he goes, he goes, oh, so this is where it capsized. And then he goes around because he sees exactly where the mission went wrong. Uh-huh. He's like, okay, we're going to get like a do-over. Or this is like my interpretation yeah. of it. He's like, all right, we're going to do a do-over. And he goes around, and that's how he's able to come in. And they've already killed like enough of them. And you can kind of count in your head, like, all right, they've killed two. And then he's killed three more. Like, okay. Oh, they're almost dead. <laughs> right, wow. It, it was like a fun little game. Uh-huh. That happens. I don't know. I thought it was fun. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> That's a really good description. It works equally well as a Western end when it becomes a horror movie. Because I was oh. a little worried, like, all right, this is not classifying as a horror mm-hmm. movie. And I'm watching it for the October right. horror movies. But I'm like, okay, you convinced me. Well, you've convinced me to check this movie out. Because like I said, it's been one of those movies I it was talked about a lot when it first came out. But I've never... T- Who's just, that guy in The Shape of Water who plays the playwright? Or not the playwright, the costume guy. Oh, um... What's his name? Damn. we He's in it, we, and he gives the best performance. Well, he's, yeah, great, <laughs> great actor. I know his name, we, too, but We I should can't not be allowed to have a podcast. No, it's it doesn't just, I'm having that, I know... Richard Jenkins. Him. He, okay. He gives, <laughs> him and Kurt Russell are great. Richard Jenkins is the, whatever, like, deputy. I can't wait to see this movie. And he's like, <laughs> he, he has, like, the funniest lines of it. He's like... He goes, oh, I'm... Uh, I was supposed to tell you, but I, I forgot because I'm old. <laughs> and I was just like, why is that in this movie? That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> He's just kind of like the bumbling guy, but not in like over-the-top comical way. Like you can believe like, it. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I might stay up late and watch this movie tonight. This sounds okay. good. Um, it's not on Amazon. Excellent. Well, what a great movie to end our – what a – Fun okay. discussion. I was going to say two if I've talked to you. Do you want to talk? You no, I didn't have another one. More. I didn't have another uh, one. Well, I do want to ask you. I mean, I do have other ones, but I'm not going to go. Well, let me, let, let's close with one more question, which you might not have an answer to. I just kind of thought I'd ask you this, and we'll close out this supersized Halloween spooktacular episode of Dumpster Dive. Um, what do you think you're going to watch on Halloween night? Well, unfortunately, I'll probably be working. Oh, yeah, you have your, your funky work schedule. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I actually I don't have it planned. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I think are, are there ones is there one you're like saving that you're gonna watch closer to Halloween or not really? No, I, it it's day by totally day. random. I re- I think last year the last one I watched ended up being Last House on the Left because it was just like one that I had. That's a good one. I bought the I think it's the Arrow video of it and mm. I had it. So it's like I don't try to like build towards anything. It's just like whatever the last one is gonna be, that's what it is. Cool man. I was actually thinking maybe since I watched like. I've been watching the Scream movies in almost reverse order. Oh, yeah, you watched... Oh, man, we Scream, can talk about Scream so many. Scream 4 is another one four, that I saw that yeah, I had seen before, but I was like, God yep. damn it, why don't people more, more people talk it's about it? It's time will come. That that movie will be reevaluated. So I thought maybe on the Halloween I'd watch Scream, because I feel like whenever people ask me, what are your favorite movies? I always think, first one I think is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Because you always have like those patented answers that you always want to throw out there. But then I always think Scream. Scream is in there. Because Scream was like a brilliant like take apart of oh yeah 
a deconstruction of the horror genre while being a horror mm-hmm. movie itself and yeah. a great little murder and it, and it revived the genre in yeah. the 90s but it, it itself is like a great little murder yeah. mystery slasher thing so oh yeah scream is great so i was thinking maybe scream but i don't I think that would be a good choice. Yeah, I usually tend to um, watch one I've seen before on mm. Halloween just because I want to have a good time. I don't want to, like, take a risk. Although I did take a little bit of a risk last year because I watched Jeremy Sonier's new movie to bring it full circle. Oh, that was the Halloween one. But that's dark. not much of a risk because Jeremy Sonier. Um, but Hold the Dark was the last year. Hold the Dark, I think I actually watched on Halloween night last okay. year. Um, this year, I think I'm going to watch kind of an unusual choice, but I'm going to watch uh, Matango. Uh, which people might know oh, yes. better by its, its subtitle, Attack of the Mushroom People. Yes, I know so that. this is a Japanese... I gave you that. Dude. You did. So this is a, a Japanese... I think you could describe it as a horror film. Um, it's, sure. It's as close as a Shiro Honda ever got to horror. Yeah. Like straight horror. Yeah, so it's by the, the guys who did Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's it, in that Toho box set that yep. I gave you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You say that very accusingly. Like I feel like you want it back. Like I should. No, I mean like it. that's the one we're talking about. Right? Yes. I, I'm saying it in a way where yes. I want to get it right. Yeah, okay. but I yes. have seen it. And it's essentially about people turning into mushrooms. Yes. And it sounds. I wanted to make sure we we're talking about the same. <laughs> yeah, it sounds silly, and it is a little silly. Um, this is the you know from the house. So you have seen it? Oh seen yeah, I've seen it. Oh okay. Um, but I thought that would be a fun one to watch. So I think that's what I'm going to watch on Halloween. It's uh, not even just the original Godzilla. I've seen box. that. Well. I've seen that so many times that I'm going to watch that in November when the box set comes out. Okay. I've thought this all through. So. Okay. All right. Well, we could go on probably for another two hours talking about horror movies. I think this has been a lot of fun. But we'd better... Not about Murder Party, but about... No, no, movies. no. But we'd better wrap it up here um, and let people uh, move on to their own Halloween festivities. So, um, unless... Do you have anything else for... I've got a giant list. But <laughs> Anything else for the boys and ghouls out there? Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll sign off with that. And uh, we're going to get back to watching scary movies. And we wish everyone in the Dumpster Dive audience a safe and happy Halloween. We'll be back soon. Have a great time, guys. Bye now. Happy Halloween.